This podcast was made possible by the ALF Silicon Valley Network, with a special thanks to our Leadership Circle members and our 2022 Exemplary Leadership Award sponsors, Cisco, Sobrato Philanthropies, Silverlake, ALF Class 18, Adobe, Deloitte, and HP Inc. Thank you. Welcome to The Dialogue. One of the most amazing parts of working at ALF is bearing witness to the stories and evolution of remarkable leaders in Silicon Valley. And this network of over 700 senior fellows from the last 32 years is an absolute treasure trove of experience and impact. So today, in the spirit of the seven-minute story, where we hear about those pivotal moments and mentors that made us, we offer space to experience a story, that of Silicon Valley pioneer, a founder, CEO, and board member, a mentor and network weaver to so many people of color in Silicon Valley, and a senior fellow from ALF Class 3, Ken Coleman. Let's listen. Uh, my key takeaway in memory was being in Colorado. I think we're the only class that went to Colorado. And there were two things about that trip. One is we had to run down the mountain ahead of a lightning storm. That was a pretty fantastic experience. But I remember writing in my journal this statement, which I've used often, which would be, if you could create a space for people to get to know each other, would you develop a keen sense of trust? And I, I believe that to be true. And I've practiced that and taught, preached that ever since my ALF class three. So I grew up in a small town in Southern Illinois, 70 miles southeast of St. Louis, Missouri called Centralia. A couple things that kind of define how I was raised, I guess. My first day in high school, which was an integrated high school, and I didn't know any white kids. I'd only met white kids playing against them in Little League Baseball. And there was a sign on the bulletin board that says, run for student council. And I have no idea why I thought I could win. I just ran because I didn't think about losing. And I won and I spent, I ended up being a student leader and the first black person on the student council, I guess, because I was taught not to be afraid of losing. But when I was a kid, I could not go to the city swimming pool. When I went to the movie theater, I had to sit in the balcony because blacks were not allowed to sit downstairs. And we couldn't go to the bowling alley in town. I was a good student and normally the good students had a chance to work downtown, but black kids weren't allowed to work downtown in the summer. So I worked in a factory. (music) 
I always remember this. It was on a Sunday morning and we left the house to go get a newspaper. My father wanted a newspaper and my father was a, was a man's man. He was tall, loud voice, commanding personality. And he got the newspaper and was waiting to be waited on. And they kept waiting on white people who were behind him. And my father said, excuse me, can I pay you a newspaper? And he said, boy, stand back. Now you gotta imagine, I'm like 10, 11 years old. I have never heard anybody call my father boy, okay? And I remember saying, I don't wanna be here in this situation when somebody can talk to my father like that. Everything's relative. So the Bay Area was way more open and supportive environmental than where I grew up in Illinois or even where I was in Columbus, Ohio, where I went to school. So, so that's when you grew up doing my generation, that's the way it was. I never expected things to be fair, equal, just. I just knew I had to work hard, harder than my white peers, and that I couldn't allow challenges to get in the way of my success. The incident that I talk about mostly is when we bought our house in, in Los Altos Hills, our broker came to us after we had made an offer and it was accepted and said that the other realtor, the selling realtor, had come to him and when they realized that we were black and basically said, uh, we're not sure that Los Altos Hills is ready for a black family. I, I didn't lament over it. You can't, there, there's a, a passage in a book that I, my favorite book of all time called Five Smooth Stones. And this book is about a young black kid growing up in Louisiana, getting a scholarship to go to college in Ohio. And this professor who had defended this young man and mentored him, always remember this because he had red hair. When the, the student got ready to go to college, he said, look, you're going to go to Ohio. You're going to experience discrimination and prejudice, but don't look under the bed for it. And that's advice I give to young black people all the time. You. You will 
I have, and we will, and my kids will experience prejudice and discrimination. So you can't be naive about that. A life will be very cruel to you. On the other hand, if you spend all your time looking for it, it will get in the way of you having enough energy to succeed and be successful. So that is the one that that's an experience that you as a black person or your kids have that's different than if you're almost any other part of our subculture is you always have to ask yourself the question, not always, but often, did this happen to me because I'm black? But you can't wallow in it. You can't use that as an excuse. And so that's the, the and that takes mental energy. Will there be lasting change? That's the $64,000 question. Well, first thing I'm, I agree with John Lewis, if you walk in my shoes from where I started and the way things were and the way things are today, there were light years of difference. So we've made enormous progress. There's an irony in that. That's really amazing. But when I remind people of that who think things haven't changed. But we all have so far to go no question, a long ways to go, because we've never had a true reckoning in our country. That means you're either going to have to be willing to walk out, speak up, or speak up when people are saying racist things. Otherwise, you are being complicit and people have a right to assume that you believe what they're saying. That means that you're going to have to have courage to either call a person that you know very well on the, what they're saying or saying, do not, as a friend of mine did recently, left the room because I choose not to listen to this. And so, and that's going to be hard for some of my white friends and colleagues, but I know some are doing that and says they have less friends than they thought they had. The Air Force is a wonderful experience. Because as a second lieutenant, young in my 20s, I had sergeants working underneath me who were old enough to be my father, you know, who had way more experience than I was ever going to have. And I learned to listen to them because they knew way more than I'd ever know. So I, and that was a real important lesson. As a leader, you don't have to know more than all your people know. The second thing is you can be given a responsibility for people to report to you, but you have to earn the right to lead them. When I say lead them, they have to, with passion, follow you, do the extraordinary. And so you have to earn their respect if you really want to truly lead people, not just manage them. And those are the two things I've learned in the Air Force. 
at Ohio State, there was an ad in a student newspaper for a key punch operator at the research center. I took typing in high school. I was this practical kid and I took typing because I wanted to go to college and I wanted to be to type term papers. So I thought it was rational to take typing course. So anyway, I got a job as a key punch operator in the research center. And I went from there to be a computer operator in the research center. And that's what got me interested in computers. And so there had been a black captain who got out about six months before I did. He happened to be in Palo Alto at a bank. I sent my resume to him and says, you need, if you know any companies who need somebody like me, let me know. He was in the same building as a guy named Roy Clay, who was a storied black professional here. He helped start the HP computer business. At that time, he was running a, a staffing agent, a search firm. He gave my resume to HP and the rest is history. My legacy, you know, I'm often asked that question. I want to be able to say, I want my students on to say, because I walked this way, I left the world a better place. That I had a positive impact on human beings. ALF joins and strengthens diverse leaders, creating and supporting networks for good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to subscribe to The Dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. To learn more about ALF, visit us online at alfsv.org.